We're glad you've joined us today on the Christian Ministries Church podcast. We believe you'll hear a message that will minister to you and encourage you in your walk with Christ. Let's listen now to the message. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, what a thank you for allowing me to be here, Father. What a blessing. Sue and I have been so blessed. And I just thank you for these precious people. They are the answer. They are the solution in you and with you and by you. And so thank you for the levy. Thank you for the levies you're raising up across this nation. Because the hurricane is not the problem. The world has always been the world. It always will be. But raise up levies in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I apologize to the media department in advance. I wasn't able to get my notes to you because I was trying to be sensitive to where God would take me in the last session. So go to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. We're talking about culture. We're engaging in the culture. We're not attacking culture. We're preparing to be a counterculture. And so you need to understand culture and the effect of culture and the responsibility of the church in culture. We've heard some great definitions. I'm sure this has helped anyone who wants help. A part of culture in a uh, summing some things up, culture is common language and understanding. The church is supposed to have, listen to me, a kingdom culture. When we talk about culture, we're not talking about American culture. We're not talking about white culture, black culture. Uh, every church has a culture, and you're going to have a culture by design or by default. And this is what I didn't understand. I didn't even want a pastor early in my tenure because I had seen what churches and their culture had done to the pastors in breaking their hearts, had done to their wives in molding them into something that God never called them to be, and even what churches had done to the pastor's children. Many, many pastor's children are on the streets today and, and just broken because of how the church treated their mom or their dad. And, and I just had a bad attitude. I, I admit it publicly. I've, I've changed it by the grace of God. And, and I just didn't care to live with the people God sent me to talk to. I loved traveling. I drop a nuclear bomb. I get out of town. I look in the rear view mirror. You deal with the radioactivity that I created. I'm going to the next place to blow it up. Hallelujah. And so I felt comfortable with that. And God had to show me, and it was supernatural, that I could, I could create the culture that would be family-friendly, that would be friendly to my children, that would be friendly to the wife of, of a leader and, 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 and not make her fall in her makeup or, or paint her hair purple and go on TV. There were a lot of things... <laughs> we're either going to create and design the culture that pleases God and is a levy in the culture or by default thinking we're disengaging we're going to become a culture that's not Holy Spirit friendly 
It may be seeker-friendly in these last days, but it won't be Holy Spirit-friendly. It won't be Bible-friendly. It won't be godly-friendly because culture evolves either by design and you have to be on purpose and, and engage to develop it or it will devolve into what we're seeing throughout the country. And so I just want to commend the church and the leadership for even being courageous enough to say, let's have a culture, a culture conference. There are thousands of churches that wouldn't even attempt to do what you've done. And, and me being new, not really knowing you, knowing you, I was a little nervous, not sure what would happen and, and where I would fit. But it's been phenomenal because you had a chance to see modeled the truth, but the truth spoken in true love. Yeah. Yes, sir. That there's been no dogmas. There's been no attacks. There's been no true hate speech. You'll be accused. I've been accused and will continue to be accused of hate speech. But we don't need to be guilty of it. And, and we are a loving people. We are a caring people. We're, we're at the bottom. The first illustration was awesome. We're at the bottom of the, of the tower hollering, don't jump. Not because we hate you. Not because we're critical or mean-spirited or have any phobias. We know what's going to happen if you jump thinking you're a bird. When we know, even when you don't, you're not a bird. And so when I talk to you about not being a bird, I'm not being mean. I love you and I want to see you live. Amen. And if you jump, the good news is I'm the one that will be at the bottom to help pick up the pieces. I still love you after you jump. Because it's not a matter, a matter of me being right and you being wrong. It's a matter of God's kingdom. And we have to build a kingdom culture. Now, a lot could be said here. A kingdom culture. The kingdom of God is not in meat or drink. But in righteousness. And and peace, God's peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And, and so a kingdom culture has, has God's kind of love in it. It, it. it has mercy in it. It has, listen, above all things, in a practical way, a kingdom culture has reconciliation in it. This is why I wrote a book against critical Critical race theory, because if you listen to critical race theory, there's no redemption offered. There's no reconciliation at the end of the road. There's just still hate and division. But in a, a grace culture, in, in grace theory, there's always reconciliation. You've never gone too far. You'll never be rejected by God. You'll have to reject God. You'll never not be loved by God. You're going to have to decide whether you love God or not. God's already made his decision in his character whether he loves you. That's what I'll be sharing tomorrow morning is God's kind of love. Because God loves you regardless. We love you regardless. And we're always here, either here to help bring repentance and then restoration or, again, devastation, and now let's pick up the pieces and see what God can do with the ashes that we've created and the beauty that he'll bring out of it. Because he never, ever leaves you. He never, ever gives up on you. This is the message of culture, not we're attacking anybody, no matter what we're accused of. 
And so I started with discerning the time and the sons of Issachar. And how that they had understanding of the times. They knew what Israel ought to do. They were a minority. But people were following them. So they had influence. We've heard every bit of that through these messages. I mean it's just been phenomenal. Now let me, let me look at what Jesus said here in Luke chapter 12 verse 54. I was stalling for time for you guys to be able to get it up. But that didn't work either. Uh, <laughs> verse, verse 54. Then he also said to the multitudes. Whenever you see a cloud rising out of the west, immediately you say, a shower is coming, and so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you say there will be hot weather, and so it is. What a lightning fast mind. The, the, the wind is coming out of the south. It's going to be hot. Hypocrites. Now, you, if you go to a, a dead church, you'll hear about a Jesus that's not in the Bible. You'll, you'll hear about this guy that's just nice to everyone and so polite. And he didn't name call. What, what Bible have you not read? <laughs> Hypocrites. Now, I'm not correcting anyone. God had to correct me. So if you can receive this, fine. If you can't, that's okay. I'm not mad at you. Don't get mad at me. But I used to say things like Jesus only corrected the Pharisees. That's not true. It's not biblical. He corrected entire cities and said, if you do not repent, it's going to be better for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than you. Three specific cities. Then he even told his disciples, you go into a city, you stay at a house. If they receive you, leave your peace. If they reject you, shake the dust off your feet. Take your peace with you. It'll be better for them in the day of judgment than for Sodom and Gomorrah. So when we talk about hell, we're we're talking about something. It doesn't matter if you believe in it or not. It's real. It's real. And not just the Pharisees are going there. And we, we have to be careful here. To not reject the Bible for people. Reject the truth for people. See, a lot of times we don't want to witness to someone who is steeped in darkness because we know they're going to reject us. They, we know they're going to mock us. That We know they're going to, to deplatform us, defriend us, cancel us. And so we withhold the truth because we actually love ourselves more than we do other people. And we don't want to be hurt. We don't want to be rejected. You don't have a right. I don't have a, re- a right to reject the truth for you. I must speak the truth in love and you get to accept it or reject it. Everyone does have a right to go to hell. God will honor your right to go to hell. But no one has a right to go to hell not knowing they're going. And so we have to be clear in God's righteousness and in righteous judgment And now Jesus is looking at this crowd and he says, you hypocrites, you're hypocrites. He says, you can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it you do not discern this time? They missed their visitation. Messiah was among them. Jesus was among them. The promised Messiah that had been talked about and promised would come for thousands of years, was standing right there, and they couldn't discern it. Pilate looked truth, absolute, objective truth, eternal truth, in the face, and said, what is truth? 
He didn't recognize he's standing face to face with truth. He had some truth. I don't care what people say. His wife warned him. God gave her a dream. He knew Jesus was innocent. Washed his hands. He had truth. He knew truth. It's just like atheists. I love them. God loves them. But there's no such thing as an atheist. Everyone, according to the Bible, Romans chapter 1, knows there's a God. He's revealed himself to everyone. Now, you can reject him, and you can pretend to be an atheist, and I get that. But you put an atheist in a foxhole and shoot a scud missile over him, he'll cry out to a God he doesn't believe in. There are no such things. And yet we're allowing professed rejectors of a knowledge of God to control our culture. Amen. And that should not be. That should not be. Jesus said we're hypocrites. Did you know Romans chapter 12, I think it's verse 9, says that let your love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. A hypocritical love doesn't abhor evil. It embraces it. It celebrates it. It says, let's keep peace. I remember I, I was in a pastor's conference, and I was flying as fast as I could. I, I assumed that they knew the Bible. That was probably a mistake. But I was, I was flying through it really fast, and, and I was going over the armor of God right quick on how that is the battle. You don't put the armor of God on in this culture and now go to war. The armor is the war. And so you better put on the girdle of truth every day because the real war is truth and lies. You better put that breastplate of righteousness, righteousness of faith, righteousness of the heart, righteousness as God declares it versus self-righteousness and the perversion of even righteousness in the culture. And anyway, when I got to the, to the, to the feet and shotting our feet with the gospel of peace, not peace, it got quiet. And I realized, I circled the wagon and tried it again. Maybe I messed up. I can misspeak. I was told by my helpmeet that I went to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and I didn't give you the chapter. And, and so I misspoke. I, I didn't keep us together. And so I'm thinking, well, I misspoke. And so I circled the wagon and I said, God hadn't called us to peace. He's called us peacemakers. But there's a peace that the Antichrist will promote right up to his manifestation that will bring sudden destruction on him and the whole world. It's the gospel of peace, not peace. To make peace with the world and this culture, you have to unilaterally disarm yourself from the armor of God. And Psalms chapter 28 talks about a peace and how they'll be saying peace while they're planning wickedness in their heart the whole time. Psalm 28 verse 3. So we have to understand the times. We have to have discernment of good and evil. And I shared with you how you cannot know good and evil independent of submission to God. Independent of obedience to God. Satan got kicked, we've seen, out of heaven in Isaiah 14. He didn't kick, get kicked out of heaven saying, I want to be the devil. I want to be a pimp. I want to be a drug dealer. 
I want to be an axe killer. That's what I want to, I want to star in a movie, and I want to be the axe killer. He, and God didn't look at him and say, oh, we're not having any of that. You're out of here. No, he said, I want to be like the Most High. And again, I need to hurry. I've got to get out of my introduction quicker this time. But that used to paralyze me at church. Because I had said the same things. I want to be like Jesus. And the devil got kicked out of heaven for saying, I want to be like God. Well, the first thing that your brain is supposed to process is what is God like? Can I give you some hints? He's good. He's holy. He's just. He's righteous. The devil was saying, I don't need God to define good for me. And me submit to God to know and to do good. No, I can be good without God. I can be holy. Don't tell me I'm not holy. Don't tell me I'm not a good person. Don't tell me I'm unclean. Don't tell me I'm not right with God. If those hypocrites down at that church make it, I'll make it. Well, that's bad theology. What if the hypocrites don't make it? And how many of you know if a hypocrite is standing right here between you and God, the hypocrite's closer to God than you are. Don't tell me what, what love is. Don't, don't box me in. I know what love is. If you listen to people, especially in power today, driving the culture, they think they're holier than God. I know God says that's an abomination. But hey, who needs God? I'm telling you this is compassion. I'm telling you it's good. How can, you, how can you mutilate our children? How can you remove their legacies from them and call it good? But that's Satan. He comes as an angel of light and talks about gender equity. Not even being able to tell the difference between equal and equity. Don't even know what equity is. If you pin them, they don't know what a woman is. They don't know what a marriage is. And they don't know what equity is. They think equity is equal. And men and women are not equal. They're not the same. We're created and loved by God equally. But we're different. And different's not bad. Different is good. And so Jesus said, what is wrong with you? You can discern these natural things. But you can't discern your time. How can we be awake? Excuse me. How can we be asleep in the church when you look outside these four walls? How can we not discern what's happening? How can we not discern the agendas of these different groups to sexually groom your children for pedophilia, to, to confuse them in their sexuality because... It won't be long we can say, wait a minute, this is not homosexuality. It's not two men. This man is really a woman. Yeah. Can't even see that coming. What did I say? Am I all right? Boy, it got quiet in this full gospel Presbyterian Episcopalian <laughs> Church of Christ that let the musical instruments in here. There's some things coming. Katrina's coming. Why wouldn't we we secure the levees? 
People are on the building about to jump. Their entire lives are about to be destroyed. And we're, well, we don't want to touch that. You know, things are changing for me. I'm not as popular and big as he implied. But things are changing for me in the sense of I'm, I'm not getting the opposition I used to get. I'm not getting the stares I used to get. Grace is being understood not just in a theological way, but in a practical way in our lives, finally. We're on the brink of something. And there's, there, there are thousands of us. But it's not enough. I want to discern the times. And I don't want to be critical and just attack. No, I want to be of the sons. Of, I, I want my tribe. I, I like your tribe so far. It looks like you're a part of Israel, the Israel of God. And you may be a different tribe than I am. But uh, man, I, I love the spirit of your tribe. That there's a good spirit here. God is positioning you for something very, very special. And you do not want to miss his visitation. This is a huge moment for you as a church. It's huge. I can't communicate how huge it really is and what I'm seeing. But I see it. And it's amazing to me and it's beautiful to me. Go to Hebrews since this is what everyone has talked about. And I'm talking about discernment. How do we discern the times? How do we discern good and evil? Again, Satan and the sin he originated that got him kicked out of heaven, he reproduced in Adam and Eve and deceived them to believe, listen, they could know good and evil. Eat of the tree forbidden tree of good and evil that they could know good and evil independent of God God would have taught them good and evil just like he's teaching us what do you think God was walking in the cool of the day doing with Adam he was teaching him things he didn't know and God would have eventually taught him good and evil but God would have taught him good and evil the way God knows good and evil God knows good and evil Never having been touched by it. God knows good and evil having never been touched by it. It's like a, it's like a doctor that knows cancer and can tell you now everything about cancer. What your, what your time is left. What it's going to do to you. But the, the doctor is independent of it. Not affected by it. God would have taught like he's teaching me now. And he's teaching a few of you on good and evil from a God that is never touched by evil. And so, I don't have to have cancer to know cancer. I don't have to know sexual perversion in order to identify and connect. No, I can teach you good and evil... And be independent of the evil, knowing the one that's good is God. And if God says, don't touch that, there's a reason for it. Well, I don't understand. I know it. That's why you need us. That's why you need the Holy Spirit. Of course you don't understand it. Satan is, is only successful in you not understanding it. That's why he wants to offend you. Get you all upset, keep you from the truth, because it's knowing the truth that's going to set you free. 
And so now we've got this time in history that God is having to teach again the church good and evil from his perspective. And yet many go to church and they eat of that forbidden tree. They think they can know God and know what's good in rebellion to God. And we can't. And so these are things that I have earnestly sought God for our churches. What is wrong with us? You know, you can't believe some of the things people believe without help. You, you can't be as stupid as some people are without help. You can't, you can't get this dumb on your own. Well, thank you for getting it. I mean, do you listen to people? I mean, they had to have demonic help to come up with that. They couldn't have done it on their own. You can't come up with a hundred and what? A hundred and five different genders without help. Your brain won't let you go there. Your conscience won't let you go there. Common, godly, biblical sense will not let you go there. How is it that God, in writing us a book, did not make room for two moms and teach us how two moms need to dwell together? Why did he only talk about fathers and mothers, male and female? Because God knows there's only two genders, and he put that intuitive knowledge on the inside of you. You have to choose to believe that under demonic delusion before you can go there. And that's what's happening. And so I'm, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking not only am, am, I, am I sane. But I'm traveling all over. And even in my own church at times. You'll say things. And, and there are people sitting in our churches. That are really sincerely confused. They're doubting. They're wavering. Is marriage. You can Google. Don't do it. But you could Google marriage. And biblical perspective of marriage, you'd be shocked at how many hoops backslidden or demonically inspired preachers will convince you that God started with male and female, but that was just to get the earth populated and now it's evolved. It was a rule, not a moral in the fiber of creation command that you leave your father and mother and join join your wife. Uh, and so there's a lot of help going on right now. And so it's like... We need to shore up all our congregants that you're okay believing in marriage as a man and a woman. Because everywhere you're going to look, that is pre-dinosauric theology. It is mean-spirited. It is unequitable. It's unfair. See, nobody even sins anymore. Everybody's just oppressed. Everybody's oppressed. That's not a sin. You're just oppressed. Amen or oh me. I'll hurry. I'll hurry. I've got a book back there erasing offense. It'll change your life. Change all your relationships. All right. Verse 11. I can't lay the whole context. Chapter 5. I've never made that mistake before. <laughs> I'm talking about before I woke up this morning. Uh, 
Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. I wish I had time to lay the whole context. It's a beautiful chapter, but I believe Paul was the writer. Uh, some don't. I'm, I'm okay with that too. But the writer, we know, was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And, and, and he's talking about Jesus, the high priest of the church now, after the order of Melchizedek. Uh, we are not after the order of Aaron. We don't gather together at Mount Sinai and, and under the, the, the law in the sense of relating to God now by the Mosaic law. I'm not talking about moral law. The Ten Commandments is in the Mosaic law, but that's moral law that was before the, ten, before the Mosaic law, during the Mosaic law, and still after the Mosaic law. So it takes time to explain all of this, but Jesus is the high priest of the church now, not after Mount Sinai and Aaron, but after Abraham and the promise to Abraham and Melchizedek. Meaning we meet at, at Zion, the mountain of Zion, the mountain of grace now. And, and it's full of mercy and God's kind of compassion for all of humanity regardless of where you are. And so now, but look, he says, he says in verse 11, of whom, that means Jesus, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. This is, this is where the church is. Remember, I'm not criticizing, I'm diagnosing. We got cancer and, and we need some radiation here uh, from the outside. God's viewpoint. And the church has become dull of hearing. That means at one point, we were quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, and, and we were maturing, we were growing. The impact of Christianity on the world is phenomenal. The impact that Christianity had on the culture in the conception of our nation is over the top. It's over the top. We really experienced 200 years of bliss. That doesn't mean everything in America was right. Doesn't mean we did everything right. Doesn't mean we were perfect. It meant there was a culture that wasn't contrary to the culture of the Bible. Amen. And it's been only the last 40 years that we've lost the impact in the culture. And now the culture has impacted us. And in most churches, they're just, they've become dull of hearing. They were quick to hear and faith came by hearing. And morality was simple for them. And absolutes was, was uh, uh, easy. Uh, almost 70% of them in one survey that was shown believed that God's word is God's word. It's inspired by God. It's infallible. And you saw, the, you saw it decline. And now you're seeing the results. And so they became dull of hearing. Now, here's what happens when we're dull of hearing. Discernment gets affected. He goes on to say, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, we've heard a lot about that, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you've become, you've, you've come... You have come to need milk and not solid food. See, the mistake that churches have made is that we can coast in this culture. You cannot coast uphill. It's impossible to coast uphill. 
The second mistake we've made is that we can say, stay disengaged and neutral and go forward. No, you're either going forward or you're going backwards. He said, you by this time ought to be teachers. You ought to be making disciples. And listen, he didn't say, but that's okay. You've not lost a thing. Let's just pick up where we left off. He said, no, we got to start over. You have to be taught the basics of born again. And that's where we're at. In churches that have gone so backwards unwittingly that they can't even handle any solid food. A lot of the churches I go into, it doesn't take me very long to know I've got to not only go to milk, I'm going to have to go to powdered milk <laughs> to get through this, this meeting. You just say anything. And we don't even know what milk and meat is. We don't even know what milk and meat is. We think, well, milk is just the, the simple things and the meat is the deep, deep things of God. Heavy revies. Tickle my ears. Tell me something I don't know. Instead of tell me what I need to do. And I'll get to this. I'll, 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 fix, I'll fix Tim's message for sure. I'll adjust my new friend Stephen. Uh, do, you, do you remember when, when the disciples, just real quick, just to whet your appetite a little. Do you remember when the disciples went to get food? And, and they came back, and, and Jesus said that I have food, I have meat that you know not of. And they thought, well, did somebody feed him? <laughs> See, we're just carnal. Yeah. We, don't, we don't even have a, 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 an ear to hear. Yeah. Everything's carnal. I don't like the way he said that. I rejected him the first night he's got hair on his collar. He's got a beard. I had a meeting canceled on me in the mountains one time in Oklahoma. They'd heard me on cassette tape. They invited me. They were all excited. And the minute I got there, it was like plowing on concrete. It, it was terrible. And I, my, I have a spirit that has feelings. I can feel when I'm received. I'm not talking about my flesh. I'll get into that here in a minute. I have a spirit that can be quenched. It can be grieved. And I knew something's wrong. Something's really wrong here. And so I cut my 15-minute message shorter. And before I could get amen out, I mean, here come a guy. And, I mean, he was, he was hustling to the front. And, and he started apologizing. He said, I am really sorry. Uh, but this was our last night. We'd scheduled, you know, I think three or four nights in hindsight, it was a blessing they canceled anyway. But it really hurt my feelings at first with, okay, what just happened? Uh, what do you mean? You're canceling the meeting. And so I asked him, well, what's wrong? He says, look, it's our fault. It's not your fault. So I'm thinking, he might be saved. This is good. <laughs> and so he's, he's, he's acting civil. And, and, he, and he said, we heard you on cassette tape, but we didn't know you had a beard.
I mean, I, 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 I could have dealt with it, but they had a baptistry. And you remember the old baptistries in the back? And they had a picture of Jesus in the baptistry with a beard longer than mine. I groomed my beard. The Lord's beard was shaggy. It looked terrible. I'm not putting the Lord down. Don't misunderstand me. I'm just saying... I don't know what I'm saying, but thank God we're past that. But we're so carnal. My point is we're carnal. You can't even see the heart of a speaker. That's carnal. You can't discern the spirit of what was just said. Because you didn't like how it was said. Amen. You're dull of hearing. You've backslidden so far. Jesus said, I have meat that you know not of. Did somebody feed him? And my meat is to do the will of the Father. Milk nourishes babies that can't do anything. And meat and solid food is for the mature to not just hear, but to go do what they just heard. We are on milk powdered milk and God wants us to grow up he wants us to mature he wants us to quit being carnal and learn to be spiritual because he that is spiritual can discern all things first Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14 says the carnal man the natural man cannot receive the things of the Lord for they are spiritually discerned amen and you and I've been given the very mind of Christ Where is it at? It's in our spirit. It's not in our dumb heads. And that's a story I won't tell, but I didn't just call you a dumb head. I had a lady get so mad at me at a meeting. I'll give the Reader's Digest of this. She's jumping the pastor out, and he's, bless his heart, I'm staying out of it. That's his fight. Keep the car running. I'm out of here. And he just, bless his heart, wasn't doing a very good job. And so I thought I would help him. And I said, ma'am, I think I've offended you. And she went, duh. Thank you for the clarification. I have offended you. What, what are you offended about? You called me a dumbhead. And I'm mad at my pastor for letting you in here to call me a dumbhead. And I went, ma'am. Were you listening at all? Don't you remember me calling you a new creation? Calling you the seed of Abraham? Calling you an heir of God? A joint heir with Jesus? I called you the head and not the tail. I called you above and not beneath. I called you blessed coming in and blessed going out. And I said, you have a dumb head. It would be rude to call you a dumb head. Y'all responded just like she did. The smartest day you'll ever have is the day you realize you're not very smart. Independent of God. You have a carnal mind. It's an enmity against God. It's not subject to God. Neither indeed can be. If it's not renewed, it will destroy you. Your thinking like the world is what's got you locked into the death of the world. And unless your mind is renewed, you can't be transformed. And so I called her a child of God and said, you have a dumb head.
And she finally got it, unlike you, evidently. <laughs> that there's a difference. And I'm going to show you from Scripture the difference here in a minute of even that. That just came to me. The bottom line is milk you give to babies that just sit, fill their diapers, and cry. Think of most churches. Before you get, before you, before you get to your scripture. They're, they're not even mature enough to discipline. You can't discipline a baby. You got to endure it. Just a bowel movement at every session. Why? They're dull of hearing. They hear, but they never do anything. The difference between a baby and an adult is they hear, but now they are instructed, they're taught, they're educated, they're equipped to go do something. And that, that's, that's what he goes on to say that's amazing to me. Verse 13, for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. When you're on milk, you're unskillful. You don't know how to apply the Word of God to your life. That's a sign of a baby. And we'll always have them. A growing church will always have them. You better learn the difference between mature and immature. Don't put the mature in authority. Only put the mature, or don't put the immature in authority. Only put the mature in authority. Because the leadership is where the church will go. And so you want maturity in leadership. That's a biblical principle. Because the, the ten spies will lead you into the wilderness every time. You better pick, pick Caleb and Joshua. That believe we're well able to save our families. We're well able to save this church. We're well able to save these counties. Better put them in charge. Because the we be not ablers. Or be sucking their thumb saying we can't do it. Because that's what babies do is nothing. He's a babe. But solid food belongs to those. Now here's what solid food looks like. It's who it's for. Solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is. Who's the full age that gets meat? That is those who by reason of use... Those who by reason of use, those who by reason of the baby can't use, it just consumes. The babies are consumers. The, the mature are participators, engagers. And so he say, those that, so you can discern, so you can discern, so you and me can discern who, who's the full age. Those who are doing something by reason of use, they're applying the word of God to their lives. By reason of use, look at this now. And this, I, man, I'm glad I didn't write this. He says, but have their senses exercised, trained, developed to discern what? I love you. But if you're a babe in Christ, you cannot discern good and evil. You're controlled by your senses. That's part of a baby. A baby feels. That's all they do is feel. That's all they do is see. That's all they do is hear and cry now and bellyache and criticize and run everything down. And 
Complain, murmur. It's one of them words in the Bible, I hate even the sound of it, murmur. Fingernails on a chalkboard, murmur. Nothing's ever right. Babies, totally driven by their senses, your five physical senses. What you see, what you hear, what you smell, what you taste, listen, what you feel. Don't, don't tell me that's a sin. This is how I feel. Don't tell me God says that's wrong. My children are caught up in it. And I love my children. And they've convinced me they can't help it. It's how they feel. Every time you've been drawn away from Jesus... It was through your five physical senses. Every time. 100% of the time. Your feelings. What you see. I know what that says. <laughs> that ain't what I see. So I'm going to believe what I see more than what that says. I know that says it's wrong, but it feels right to me. Yeah. Yeah. Churches. Entire churches. Carnal. Entire churches. The whole church is moving based on feelings. Rather than established in truth. Go to 1 Corinthians. No, let me, let, me, let me help a couple of people get deceived quicker. Uh, if you want to discern good and evil in these last days. And we're going to see a great falling away if we are the last generation. We will see a great falling away. I'm seeing it already. But it's a purging. God is separating. Jesus said, don't you think I came to bring peace on this earth? I came to divide. I came to separate goats from sheep. I came to separate. And I won't start naming all the things because it will offend. And we're seeing the separation of holy, unholy, of moral, immoral, of God's good, man's good, antichrist, Christ. We're seeing the separation and the falling away even as I'm standing here and... You will sit here now, some of you, and five years from now, you will believe lies from the pit of hell. Because you refuse to discipline your senses. You refuse to be a disciple. What is a disciple? It's a disciplined follower of Jesus. It disciplines what we see and trust God. It disciplines what we're hearing and taking heed to what we hear. You will not discern good and evil. This is something I didn't believe on my own for a while. I didn't believe good Christian people could be as deceived as I'm watching. I didn't believe it because I hadn't even seen that. But I'm sitting here seeing pillars of the church doesn't even know what the new birth is anymore. They didn't even stay neutral. They just gradually went downhill where now they believe in abominations. And they believe it. And you can't convince them otherwise. They're, they're blinded. And so I, I've had to ask, and, and Lord, if I'm going to pastor multi-churches, if I'm going to help churches, how do I help us discern then? How do we develop discernment? This is where the scriptures come in. This is where absolutes come in. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine. Doctrine is just teaching. 
That's what we've heard teaching. We need to be teaching God's word. It's, it's, it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. You take God's word out of the culture, you lose righteousness. And you embrace a false, perverted, corrupt righteousness without, without exception. And so the only way I'm going to be able to discern is to keep disciplining my five physical senses, keep acting on the Word of God, build my house on the rock. Matthew 7, how do I do that? Listen, I hear the Word and I do the Word. The two houses, one stood, one fell. The houses, real house, baby house. Real preacher, let it go. That'll teach you to leave one of my sermons, hallelujah. Both houses heard the word. Both houses, if you will, went to church. They heard the word. And one just heard it. That's a good message. I disagree with that. If you want my opinion, there's a reason we didn't ask. Amen. That offends people. But I really don't want your opinion and you shouldn't even want mine. We need the truth. Not an opinion. So one heard the word. Winds came. Rains came, blew on their house, and what happened? It fell. It should be no surprise. Now, it was a surprise to me. I'm growing in my knowing. I'm learning. I'm maturing. I'm getting there. But it has been a surprise over the past decade of how many good people have fallen away. And it's like, what do you mean you believe this now? How? Where, Where did you come to that revelation? They quit hearing the word and doing it. And so their discernment dropped. Then when discernment drops, deception comes in like a flood. This is why it's important that we have discernment. That we know how to know good and evil. How to discern. How to judge. I mean, we had an, a personal conversation about former President Bill Clinton. And I, I'm uncomfortable with any of that publicly. But what was my point then? Um... Oh, the, the, the acceptance, lack of consequences, and almost embracing of a perversion in the White House. I mean, a hundred years ago, saints, it, 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 that president would have been gone. Back then, even presidents had a conscience, and so they would have probably just resigned on their own as a good person. But we don't have presidents with a conscience right now. We don't have people godly. And so discernment goes first, then deception replaces discernment. And that's what we're watching, and I'm seeing this unfold. And so how do, how do I help? How do I... How do I recover those people? How do I keep some of you? How, how do we ensure if 80% of you are here next year, 
That would be awesome. But why, why, why can't there be 100%? People ought to be flooding our churches, saints. Things are exploding and imploding. And people don't even discern. Christians don't even discern. Get mad at us when we even bring it up. So, I want to help some people speed the deception process up. How do you do that? How, how do you get dumb and dumber? How do you go from, from a flesh flash to walking now after the flesh? How do you get there quicker? Because I, I want to get to discernment quicker. And if I'm not going to do it, I just assume get deceived quicker. So how do we do it? Go to James. How do, how do we get there quicker? Let me help speed up the process for a few of you. Uh, James chapter, chapter 1, verse 21. Therefore lay aside all filthiness. Well, there's a novel idea. <laughs> lay this stuff aside. And, and overflow... Of wickedness. I mean, does this resonate with anybody? Of, yeah. of, an, of an overflow of wickedness. We're inventing wickedness. We're inventing new sins. We've gone so low. And receive with meekness the implanted word. That's the word that gets into your heart. Not the word that rattles up in your head that you're offended about. The implanted word which is able to save what? He's not talking about going to heaven or hell. If you know Jesus, heaven or hell is settled. It's your soul, your senses, your mind that needs renewed. And it's the word you put in your heart that's going to renew your mind, transforming your life. He says, but, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Satan looks at certain people... And, and, and says, I'm too busy for you. You're doing fine on your own. Some of you don't have to worry about the devil. He looks at you and goes, I don't have to bug you. You're, you're imploding on your own. You refuse to do what is right. You refuse to make a stand. You refuse to speak up, speak out. You refuse to do the right thing with your kids and by your kids. You refuse to do the right thing at church, on the workplace. And Satan's just looking at you going, I... He's deceiving himself, and I'll work on someone that's a little more challenging. How did we get here? Have you ever asked the question? How did we get? I mean, we're old enough to remember. This stuff is bizarre. We didn't think, I didn't think I would live long enough to see what we're seeing. It's happened in, in 10 short years, last five years. It's unraveling so fast. How come we can't see the pit is bottomless? And we're falling. We're not stepping. We're falling into the pit of darkness. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. This is real. I've tested this. I, I can look in the mirror and, 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 and weep and... Just this is terrible. And 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 walk away and forget. It's like I don't know how messed up my hair is till I look in a mirror. In my mind, it's beautiful. But a mirror testifies otherwise. 
I was in a meeting with a good friend, and he still laughs about it to this day. And I told the story about a lady that came up to me, and, and, and she meant well, but she asked me, is this natural? And I gave my famous Dwayne look of, you mean to tell me someone would pay to have this done to their head? <laughs> See, God's Word is a mirror. And you have to keep it before you to know what manner of man you really are in Christ. You'll forget. You can't see your inner man. How holy it is. How righteous it is. How pure before God it is. And you walk away from the mirror of God's word and you forget what manner of man you was. And, and now you're agreeing with those that are still in Adam, headed for death, death and destruction. Now, here's what's really powerful, and I'll, I'll, I'll get to my closing stuff here. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, the Word of God, the perfect law of liberty, and continues in it, you don't come to church, just hear it, and you won't hear another thing about it, Till next Sunday or Easter or Christmas. No, continues in it. Here's what's amazing that I've never heard anybody say. And it's right here. It says, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. A doer of the what? We are doers now of the finished work of Christ in our spirit man. I'm already righteous and truly holy. It's time I started acting like it. Awake unto righteousness and sin not. I speak this to your shame. Some of you have not the knowledge of God. You don't know who you are. That's why you don't know what you're supposed to be doing. It's why you're confused. Is you don't know who you are. The work of Christ. The finished work that's in your spirit. Man, that only the word of God can show you. This is who you are. You think, you think a generation is suffering from gender confusion. And by the way, it was unheard of just a few years ago. Now it's, it's consuming society because gender confusion, like racism, has to be taught. You have to teach these wicked lies to kids in order for them to be confused. You have to create the chaos in order to... Rob us of our freedoms for you to come in now and fix it. Rob us of our kids. The government is not called by God to raise my kids. I am. You are. School boards. They're not in charge. They think they are. The FBI thinks they are. But they're not. He, now watch this, continues in it. And is not forgetful, but a hearer and a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. All right, let's look at two scriptures in closing. I've got so many things I wanted to get to, and it's been wonderful, though. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. King James, New King James Bible. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Answer is no. Our churches are full of people who do not know that the unrighteous will not. I tried to give an illustration. I didn't do as good a job as these other guys. But on the, on the article I wrote, 
the AI, artificial intelligence, uh, said that my statement was incorrect because it wasn't inclusive. You remember that? I'm trying to hurry. Heaven is not inclusive. Even hell is not inclusive. Amen. Worshiping Baal. We don't serve a God of inclusion. We serve a God that puts us on a straight and narrow. I'm trying to hurry. I, I think everybody's getting tired, so I'll quit here. But yeah, yeah. Uh, well, there, there's, there's many ways to heaven. There's only one way to heaven and many ways to hell. The highway to hell is broad and wide. The highway to heaven is straight and narrow. It's Jesus Christ and the cross. It's not inclusive. Now, the message is inclusive. Whosoever will, let him come. And everybody can go to heaven. But heaven's not inclusive. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And yet the devil has produced a culture that it's holy and it's compassion to be inclusive. We are tolerant. That is a lie from the pit of hell. You don't tolerate me. You're not tolerant of morality. You're not tolerant of absolutes. You're not tolerant there's a God. And only one God. Don't tell me how tolerant you are. I can take you to the woodshed all day long of how intolerant you are. That didn't come out quite right. I'm, when I get in a hurry, I just say it. Let me slow down, but finish. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Everybody's not going to heaven. Do, you, do not be deceived. A minimum of 40 times in the New Testament, Christians are told, do not be deceived. Why would God, at least 40 times, tell us, don't be deceived? Because the possibility of deception is knocking on your door. Do you know, I've never, I've, I've ministered for 40, 40 years, four decades, and I have never in one message told anyone, do not steal a camel. My illustrations just aren't as good as y'all's. Can you imagine me wasting my breath here in Missouri saying, don't be stealing people's camels? Why, why do I not admonish you? Why do I not exhort you? Don't be stealing camels. Because the, the odds of anybody having a camel... The fact that he says over and over, do not be, and, and the specific things even are recorded in the Bible. I don't have time to show you now, but the specific things that the culture's saying in the scriptures, it says they will say this, do not be deceived. And yet churches are full of deception. Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, Thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. This is equity. Young people, listen. Equity is justice meted out fairly. 
God is equitable in righteousness. He doesn't say this is wrong, but this is okay. The list even isn't conclusive. And there's a lot of stuff named in here. Right? But only one is talked about in the culture. And only one you'll be attacked over. And only one you'll be canceled over. And only one you'll be deplatformed over. And only one will half the church persecute you. I'll let you pick which one. Look, look at this. Verse 11. And such, man, here's the good news. And such were some of you. But you are washed. You are sanctified. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of the living God. Hallelujah. We are to never forget that was us. That's why when I bring these things up, I'm not condescending, self-righteous, arrogant, speaking down to somebody. Get out of this kind of behavior. No, such were some of us. But now we're washed. We're going to put that stuff away now because we've been sanctified. We are sanctified. We're not trying to get sanctified. We are sanctified. Put these things away from us now. In the, in the next chapter, or the same chapter, in verse 18, he says, flee fornication. Flee it. Don't embrace it. Don't celebrate it. Don't enshrine it. Don't push it into the libraries. Don't wow. impose it on your children. Yeah. Flee it. For every sin that a man commits, he commits without his body. But he that commits fornication sins against his own body. See, God created the whole, whole earth in righteousness and holiness. Sin affects the planet. If my people, which are called by my name, if they'll repent, call out to me, I'll hear from heaven and I'll heal their, heal their land. Sin affects the planet because the planet has a moral code. That when we violate it, it literally affects the earth. It was the ground in Genesis chapter 4 that cursed Cain, not God. The same ground that produced for him fruit that he offered that God rejected quit producing for him. And the blood of Abraham cried out from the ground. This ground was created and it will be redeemed. I wish I could say some things about uh, the theology of the earth and, and, and climate change. We, we don't have time for that now. But you were created and your bodies were created for sex within the boundaries of marriage. And the only safe sex is marriage between a man and a woman. And when you have sex outside of God's preordained boundaries and the moral code that's engrafted within the creation, you throw your body into confusion and the consequences of sexual perversion come into the body, which includes your soul. See, if I commit a sin, there's wages to every sin. If I go back there in the green room and I steal a bunch of stuff and uh, I, I took three bags of potato chips last night and put them in my, in my briefcase and snuck them out of here. I'm not sure if that was sin or not. It's not a good illustration. But let's say the offering was back there because they told me I could have the chips. So that wasn't a good illustration. None of the others have been any good either. So, if there was money from the meeting back there, and I stole the money, how many of you know there's consequences to every sin? When you break moral law, the consequences aren't because you get caught, it's because you violated God's moral law 
that's consistent. And the wages could come into my life. I could have destroyed a, a friendship that would have been maybe a lifetime friendship. But it, would, it may cost me in that way. It might cost me my friendship with Tim. It might cost me partners that say, I heard he stole the offering. I'm not supporting you. The consequences will come into my life. I just can't predict them. And I would recommend you not try to predict consequences before you sin. Because that's the mistake every Christian makes. Well, I'll do this. There'll be grace. And it could cost me over there. You can't predict the wages of every seed sown. So, I'll get a consequence. But listen, if I commit sexual sin, I throw my body into chaos. It's called confusion in the Bible. All through the Bible. Confusion, confusion, confusion. And where there's confusion now, there's every evil work. So, the consequences of sexual sin come into the body and the soul, and from there, decay society. You can, you can have an affair today and die. There would be no... Do we have little kids in here? I don't see any little kids, but... There would be no gonorrhea. There would be no syphilis. If there wasn't sexual perversion. The consequences come into your body. AIDS. We wouldn't have AIDS if there wasn't sexual perversion. You take a virgin boy that's here and a virgin girl and they get married, they can have sex 10 times a day and not get a disease. They'll get extremely tired, but they will not get a disease. Yes, that was a little bit of an exaggeration. <laughs> Let me just close. <laughs> On a positive note. <laughs> we, don't, we don't care if it's positive or negative, just quit. <laughs> Let me just go through the list real quick. It's a partial list, maybe a third of what I call fatal attractions. This is a buzzword in culture, attraction, attraction. And even the church is confused over attractions because we've just backslid so far. We, we, we don't know God's wisdom and knowledge. Uh, the Bible actually records animal attraction. It's called bestiality. Now, see, I can't wrap my mind around that yet. It's coming. It's coming. But I can't wrap my mind around it yet that someone could literally, in their sexuality, after their flesh. See, your flesh is capable of, of anything. Paul said in Romans 7, 18, it, there's no good thing in me. That is to say my flesh. There's nothing good in your flesh. Your flesh, independent of God, is capable of anything. How could anyone be attracted sexually to an animal? Yet the Bible records that a culture can decline far and far enough that people will literally be attracted sexually to animals. It's called animal attraction. There's my next door neighbor's spouse attraction. David had this attraction. To Uriah's wife Bathsheba. It was, it was what I call. Next door spouse attraction. Was the attraction real? Absolutely. Did he feel something? A absolutely. I mean he watched her taking a bath. And that Bathsheba fox. Just she was smoking hot. And so I guarantee you. 
He felt something. He didn't just think that out and say, you know, I'd like to try this. I, I don't, I'm not interested really, but I, no, he had an attraction. So you're not getting it yet either. It was real. And you know, let me say this because I, I promise I'm going to quit. I've gone over, I know. My internal clock tells me for sure. Just because he had the attraction didn't mean it was sin. It wasn't sin till he acted on the attraction. Did you know there's minor attraction? Did you know some people are sexually attracted to a five-year-old? Is it real? I can tell you it's real. I can't tell how many people I've helped with minor attraction. That they felt something and an attraction to a five-year-old kid. But, but how many of you will at least agree, we're, 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 we're getting close, where we're going we're gonna to endorse pedophilia soon if we don't repent. But how many of you still agree that while you may be attracted to a five-year-old, I recommend at least at my church you not act on it. You resist it. You submit to God. Reckon yourself dead. Learn how to not follow attractions that violate God's holy word. See, I haven't lost anybody yet. Did you know there's aunt and uncle attraction in the Bible? Did you know an entire chapter in the New Testament is dedicated to stepmom attraction? 1 Corinthians chapter 5 says that there's a man sleeping with his stepmother and the church has to deal with this. He had stepmom attraction. Well, you just don't understand they love each other. No, you don't understand that's chaos. You don't understand that breaks God's moral code that's going to destroy that young man, destroy that woman, destroy that family. And if everybody starts sleeping with their stepmoms, we're all going to collapse. But was it real? Y'all, see, you're afraid to answer because you know where I'm going. It was real. I'm sure that young man was attracted to his stepmom. And he felt something. And I guarantee you they were saying and calling it love. But God called it leaven. That if it's not removed and dealt with properly, it'll leaven the whole church. Stepmom attraction is real. Brother and sister attraction. I had a guy in our church and I was trying to help him that had other attractions. And it was no wonder this poor little boy was messed up. His brother and sister were having sex every day. It's called incest. Are they attracted to one another? <laughs> yeah, evidently. You're not getting it, but that's okay. I'm going to quit anyway. Did you know I have actually met people that have dead corpse attraction? They're literally attracted to a dead corpse. Is it real? Absolutely. I recommend you not act on it. Don't jump off the building. Did you know the Bible talks about in the book of Proverbs? Strange woman attraction. She's the adulterer. The prostitute is pay for play attraction. The prostitute is pay-to-play attraction. She's only after your money. The strange woman is after your soul. I still haven't recently, it's been a while, I have to think this out, I haven't thought about it, but 
Just because I got married didn't mean I didn't have opposite sex attraction. I know y'all are quiet because you're thinking, I've never heard of any of this. You know, I've never gone to work and was attracted to the secretary. And it was real. I felt something. <laughs> I felt something. And, and, and she's the opposite sex, but she's not my wife. And the Bible calls that opposite sex attraction. And that you have to reckon yourself dead to that or you're going to destroy everything in your life. Yeah, but, but I feel it. Look at me. I feel something for the secretary. Look at me. Look at me. Rebuke it. Resist it. But don't you understand? I really feel it. No, I understand perfectly. Amen. Opposite sex attraction still after marriage. Video attraction. We heard about it in pornography. Poor Samson had Delilah attraction. Why is it so controversial in the church for me to tell people with same sex attraction to submit unto God, resist the devil, and he will flee? But you don't understand. That's who they believe they are. No, you don't understand. That's a deception of the devil. That's not who you are. You are a new creation. And your flesh and the devil using your flesh is drawing you away from God. You have to learn to resist. We have to learn to not panic when someone has minor attraction, animal attraction, because it's coming. I'm okay with you having same-sex attraction. Just make sure you are cautious how you hug me now. That didn't fly. I had a man years ago brought me flowers and, and kissed me on the cheek. And, and I know how that's received right now. And it's how I received it. It's like it just set me back. And the Lord spoke to me and said, that man loves you with a pure love. We've perverted all healthy love. Did you know two girls being friends and best friends and bonding is, is healthy? There's a line there though. Me bonding to my daughters. There's a line. Me bonding to a male and friendship and companionship and partnership. David and Jonathan relation. There's a line. And the world wants to remove all lines and call it love when we're destroying Maternal, paternal love, friendship love. Well, what a great conference. I'm glad I came. I needed to hear me at least. I love you. God bless you. Thank you for being part of our podcast today. You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church, as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church, where it's more than a church, it's family.